Welcome to the Elevate the Vibe podcast, bringing you juicy convos with thought leaders discussing the wild world of parenting. There's a lot worse things than surgery, especially when it comes to your child and the fairness of things and what his adulthood is going to look like. We really had to start looking at our mortality and what does life look like once he's an adult, because that's a whole different ballgame. What up, Vibe Hive? It's Jay. It's the Elevate the Vibe podcast. I'm here with my co-host, Katie Berlin. She's sitting here, red pants on, white socks. What up, Shug? Tell me something nice. Ho, ho, ho. I am the gift that keeps on giving year-round, coming through your headphones. And down your chimneys. Uh, You know, I prefer just walking through the front door. But You just if... hoed three times. You're not coming down my chimney? Uh, <laughs> this is an explicit podcast, but we're going to stick to information about our guest today. Okay. And it's a very serious topic, so let's tone it down a little bit. All right. So our guest today is Kelly Jensen, the founder of Perspectability. Kelly was introduced to us through one of our very good friends. Auntie Kat. What up, Auntie? Catherine Napier. Uh, Kat, giving you a shout out for introducing us to Kelly. And Kelly has a very interesting story and business and nonprofit that she's running. This all stems from the birth of her son, her very first son, who was diagnosed as neurodivergent. Now, if you're unfamiliar with that term, what does that mean? It can be a wide spectrum of ways that somebody can learn differently. So that can include autism, ADD, ADHD, dyslexia. There's just this very wide spectrum that encompasses neurodiversity. And when you're a parent and you begin to learn that maybe your child is neurodivergent, depending on what their learning differences are, this can pose an entirely set, you know, an entirely new way to think about how not only is your child going to learn, but once they have moved on from school and they're going to be an adult who enters into the world, our world isn't necessarily set up for adults who maybe have these differences. Our world is very like independent, go, go, go. And Kelly is changing that. Kelly is working on creating awareness and change. And that is what perspectability is about. Kelly, of course, will dive into this in detail, but just to give you a little background and tee this up for our guest, perspectability is an inclusive environment in Northwest Arkansas where neurodiverse adults can choose to live independently, continue their education and experience new opportunities while growing their community. Perspectability was founded when Kelly and a group of other parents, specifically moms, shout out, you know, moms, we make shit happen, uh, with neurodivergent children began to reimagine what inclusivity could look like in communities and society. They began to focus on ideas and solutions that allowed neurodiverse adults to make choices, live independently as possible, hold jobs, feel connected to their communities, and become participating members of society. So we dive into Kelly's plans for the future of perspectability, which includes a transition academy, continuing education, and even a residential neighborhood. So Vibe Hive, let's welcome Kelly to the show. Well, hello there, Kelly Jensen. Hi. 
Could you tell us a little bit about yourself, where you're from and what you're doing now? You know, maybe a little bit of an intro. Yeah. So uh, my name is Kelly. I am married to my high school sweetheart. Um, We are from Bentonville, Arkansas, um, which is very far from you guys, of course, but uh, the home of Walmart. Um, We own a dirt work landscaping type of company. Um, we're the proud parents to two boys, Cody's 18 and Cooper is 13. So hashtag boy, mom, um, we're animal lovers. Um, we're kind of like a misfit farm. We wind up, we're like a magnet for the unwanted pets. So between goats and ducks and chickens and horses and dogs and cats, we've had them all. So that's, so we're also an animal parent, which is totally like your typical Arkansas thought. I, I realize now that I say that this is your dream right here. She wants to have a farm where we just rescue anything that comes to us. Like we take care and nurture it. And like, we have like 30 dogs running around. I mean, I feel like uh, Kelly here's, uh, she's living your dream, honey. Oh man. My husband is like, gives me the side eye every time an animal winds up here. I'm like, I didn't call them to come. They, they just come. (laughs) But we're all about, you know, making sure um, the unwanted feel love and family. So um, aside from that, um, I co-founded a nonprofit called Perspectability, um, which is really geared towards generating balance in choice of quality opportunities for the neurodiverse um, population. Um, That, and I'm basically an all around good time. I mean, that's, that's kind of, that's my life. It's a circus. I feel like all around good time is the first time any guest have ever has ever said that on the I show. And I, I think I'm just going to start using that to introduce myself to people. Yeah. 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 I mean, why not? Right. I'm yeah. a most of the time, like pretty good time. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like yeah. 80 percenter. <laughs> I'm just that, yeah. That's like my husband. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, maybe he's more like 50 percent, which is why I have to be the good time. You know, it just falls on somebody's <laughs> shoulders. <laughs> So you touched on that you are the founder of Perspectability and Mm -hmm. the catalyst for that came from, you mentioned also that you're a parent to two boys Mm -hmm. and Mm -hmm. one of your sons, when he was born, your oldest son, Cody, Mm -hmm. you have shared in, you know, with us prior to this, that he is neurodivergent. And for the audience who may not be familiar with that term, could you please explain a little bit about what that is and when you learned about his diagnosis and share that with the audience? Yeah, um, I would love to. So um, I was a young parent. I got pregnant at 18. Um, Not only was this, you know, kind of a rock your world kind of situation, but Um, When we went to the doctor's appointment to find out if we were having a boy or a girl, um, the appointment was taken a little bit longer than normal. And the doctor had initially said that they were going to pop in our VHS tape, if that tells you how long ago that was, (laughs) um, (laughs) to record kind of all the excitement, you know, all the, the cool stuff, you know. And that was taking a really long time. And long story short, um, they found a lot of things that just caused concern. Um, We began having weekly satellite appointments, ultrasounds with our children's hospital that's three hours away. And um, in those weeks, we were told that our son likely wouldn't survive to term. Um, So there were a lot of conversations about what the rest of the pregnancy would look like. Um, 
and we decided to have an amnio to kind of find out maybe what we were working with. And I will never forget sitting in the doctor's office, the um, results came in and he said, the chances of your child having anything other than club feet, which was one of the things that we knew for sure, are like any other birth. And so we're like, right on, man, like, cool. So I learned everything I could learn about club feet. And then um, my son was due on Christmas day, if that gives you any indication of how special he is. And uh, my doctor was like, yeah, I'm kind of busy on that day. So we induced a week early and um, he was very sick when he was born. So, you know, that we, that was such a roller coaster of emotion to, we're not sure if this baby's going to make it to term to heck yeah, man, this, this looks great. Everything's going to be cool. And then it's not. Um, so he was transferred to the NICU, um, where he had his first of 11 surgeries at three days old. Um, he came home on new year's Eve. So he's pretty much like a party guy. I mean, he's got a lot of holiday things going on in his life, but, um, he has what's called club feet. Um, he has what's called Hirschsprung's disease, which is a colon disease. So he had a colostomy bag at three days old. Um, and then eventually he, um, they did what's called a resection. So, um, so we move on through life, um, doing surgeries, appointments, therapies. I mean, it, it was a really hard time, but he was also our first child. So it was very normal to us. You know, we didn't know any different. Um, we never had a vacation because our vacation time was always used in hospitals. And there, there weren't those hospitals to provide those types of services very close. So we were traveling a lot. Um, so that's kind of the beginning. And as a parent, um, you know, especially in the beginning of your child's life, like you're just trying to survive and keep everybody alive and afloat. And that's what we were doing as well. Um, we, like I said, we didn't know any different. So, um, so that's kind of the gist of the beginning to his life. And um, like I said, he's had 11 surgeries, um, but the surgeries are the least of the stressors because, you know, you go in in a surgery and the doctor says, here's what's wrong and here's what we can do to fix it. And we're going to do that. And then we're going to move on. Um, so I became accustomed to that fixing mentality when he was young, because we went in, we fixed the situation to the best that we could. And then we moved on. Um, what I started to recognize as he got older is there's a lot worse things in surgery, um, especially when it comes to your child and the fairness, you know, of things and um, what his adulthood is going to look like. We really had to start looking at our mortality and what does life look like once he's an adult, because that's a whole different ballgame. Now, when your son was going through all of this and as a young parent, you're experiencing this of course, to you, you're saying like, this is my first child. This seems normal, but I'm sure you saw a lot of the shortcomings. And like you mentioned, you're, you're seeing your own mortality and what does this mean and look like for my child, but you're seeing the shortcomings of our society and what is offered. And it's like, okay, so yes, maybe other 17, 18 year olds are looking at, okay, am I going to apply to college? Am I going to travel 
after school, am I just going to start working in a family business or there's like all these different options, but you are looking at life as far as, okay, where does the world not meet my son? Where, where does the world not meet us where we need it to so that he has these same opportunities? And with perspectability, when you, when you founded this, can you share a little bit about what it is and what your hope is for it as well and how that's related to some of these shortcomings? Yeah, I feel like, um, as Cody grew up and, um, you know, you're starting to look ahead a little bit more and you are recognizing, um, there's a thing called a transitional cliff. Um, and that is post high school for people who are neurodiverse. Um, and there, I have a lot of opinions on why that cliff exists, but it exists. And so over the course of him growing up and really looking at what opportunities are available for him, because he's the kind of guy that's, he's got dreams. And as a parent, I'm going hell or high water to help him achieve those dreams, you know? And um, like, for example, uh, in junior high, um, he went to the first pep rally, right? First exciting thing, you know, in junior high, like we're going to go to pep rally. And um, initially his class wasn't going to go because pep rallies are loud. There's a lot going on and there's a lot of people that don't enjoy that. Um, But that was the first moment in my life that I recognized that there is an island of us and them. And it starts with, oh, those things are loud. So let's not do that at all. Um, And luckily I happened to be there because I was like living out, you know, my childhood again, like pep rally city, let's go. And so I went and got Cody and I said, you're going to this pep rally because you're going to love this. And he fell in love with school spirit in that day. And he was voted most school spirit in junior high. He became the manager of the boys basketball team. And he kept those dudes pretty hydrated with his water thing. And then he decided when he was going into junior or high school that he wanted to be a cheerleader. He wanted to cheer on his team and that meant the world to him. So off to cheer tryouts, he went, I didn't call ahead. I didn't um, speak with the coaches, you know, why, why, why would I do that? Off he went to cheer, (laughs) to cheer tryouts and he made the team and he cried and he was so happy. And I cannot fathom what his high school life would have been like had he not had those opportunities of normalcy and to create some form of authentic relationships, you know, to give him some kind of desire and dream of what his future was like. So those experiences throughout his um, junior high and high school period, I I met other parents naturally um, who were like, what happens next? Because let's be honest, the only thing that's next is Medicaid. And I can bore you with numbers all day long, but the majority of the neurodiverse population won't even qualify for those services. So then that leaves nothing. And furthermore, the ones that do qualify for those services are they're provider controlled. So it's you get the life that is the option available to you, not you get to go choose your life. So I don't even know which one's better. I don't. Um, and furthermore, 
why should my son need to live with me for the rest of his life? What life is that? First of all, he can't wait. He tells me all the time now he can't wait to have a party with no adults with root beer. So whatever, you know, he's got, he needs to have his party time. Um, and furthermore, he needs to learn how to live without me. I'm not going to be here forever. And I don't want the day that Cody has to learn how to be independent and self-sufficient and find someone else to lean on is the day that I'm no longer on this earth. So um, in meeting with other parents and really just realizing, you know, we're all just searching in the dark for the same kind of answers. What in the hell do we do next? Um, so we started researching what's out there in the rest of the country. And we visited some of those places in Arizona and Texas and newsflash, those places are all mostly created by parents that are in the same shoes going, okay, the options that are out there are not, you know, should those be options? Absolutely. But there should be a multitude of options. Um, so we founded Perspectability and that really, it's a made up word, but it's a super cool word because, you know, you have your perspectives and your perspectives are limited to your experiences. And, um, and therefore your abilities are limited to your experiences as well. And so if we can really, you know, shout from the rooftops and, and just bring awareness to the fact, because if you're not living this life, you have no idea. You don't even think about those precious little kindergartners, you know, that you see at the, at the class parties are going to grow up to be 40 year old men one day and they need a purpose. And, and not only that, but they deserve the launch, you know, just like every other child. So the purpose behind perspectability um, is to obviously bring awareness to the need because the need is nationwide. I mean, it's worldwide, um, but also um, to, to give that bridge, right? All these kids needs, kids need are a bridge. They need support. They need additional educational opportunities um, to be self-sufficient. Job skills, social skills, living skills, just skills that every 18 year old needs to be a you know, functioning adult. This population just needs some extra support. Um, so a post high school transition academy. And what that looks like is a college experience for lack of a better word. It's a two year program. It's 24 seven um, teaching independent living skills, self-sufficiency, social skills, job skills, all of those things. Um, but also permanency because, you know, we can have this experience that helps launch these adults into the jobs that they want to live, a skill that they want to do, you know, in a, in a consumer controlled environment, they get to choose the options and the opportunities and the things that they need to support them as the individual, not here's what's available, pick what works. But then what then, where do you, where does Cody live? And um, Cody doesn't want to live with me. He wants to have his own home and he wants to have a dog and, you know, all these things, right? All these responsibilities and a wife and children and all this stuff. So um, I don't want Cody renting forever because I know that when I pass away, I have no control anymore over leases and all of that. So the next step after a transition academy is building a subdivision, a neighborhood, an inclusive neighborhood. Um, society made the move to stop institutionalizing people with disabilities, but we haven't made big strides 
on quality of life, support, opportunities, those kinds of things. Um, and so people still think about an institution. Oh, is Cody going to go live in a group with people? Is he going to live with his brother? Well, why? Why shouldn't he live where he wants to live in his own home with the supports he needs to make him a successful adult? So having a regular old neighborhood with typical neighbors, um, you know, permanency, that sounds like a normal life that everybody wants and desires. So um, that is the purpose of perspectability and um, really is to provide that quality choice and opportunities and just options. That's the long way around. Sorry. <laughs> no, that's like the amazing like meat and potatoes of it. So that's that's what we want you to share. It's those big dreams and the the vision that you have, which is what makes this amazing and different than what we see out there right now. You know, yes. meeting meeting people that are neurodiverse at the place that they need. And I want to rewind a little bit to give the audience a definition of what it means to be neurodivergent. Cause I don't know if we actually defined it yet. It's true. Yes. So language is really, really important um, because society has a role to play in how disabling an individual's differences are based on their language. Right. And, and how we label someone. Um, so, you know, we've come a long way, um, in our language, but neurodiverse, I mean, it's really cognitive functioning variations. I mean, it's variations of, of your cognitive abilities. And that's a lot of times, um, labeled with ADHD, autism, um, down syndrome, those kinds of things. But my son has none of those things. Um, but he is a neurodivergent person. He, you know, differs from, from neurotypical society. So it's, it's a, it's, it's variations of cognitive functions is, is the term, but I've never loved the word disability, special needs. It special needs is soft and it's a lot better than the words we used to use, but it's weak. It strikes me as weak. And my son is anything but weak. Um, and, and neuro, we've always said differently able, we all have differences, you know, we all have different abilities. Um, but neurodivergent, I mean, neurodiverse, we're a diverse group of people and community and the human experience is not complete if it's not different and full of people with differences. So I, while language is very, very important, um, I don't like getting hung up on it too much either. It's, I think it's like the, it's all encompassing in a way that is very approachable because like you said, our society is very diverse and very different and that's what makes it interesting and that's what makes life interesting and just because someone might have ADHD or someone may have autism or even someone may have Down syndrome and they might be on the spectrum not yeah like you're saying like they may have a special need but that can feel limiting in a way it's like okay so then you're putting like a box around it whereas well 
and this isn't to downplay the language piece of it, but when it comes to being neurodivergent, almost everyone might be a little bit neurodivergent, like point us, point us to the person that, you know, does everything perfectly, like point us to that person. Yes. And that's what I love about the conversation about labeling and language and, and all of that. Um, it's really fun to follow, um, neurodivergent, neurodiverse, autistic, those kind of tags on social media. Um, because these people are now adults with voices and they just went through a pandemic where they, you know, were out there in the socials, you know, um, trying to connect and, um, just hearing what they have to say, um, is awesome and inspiring. And then to find other people, you know, almost, coming out, if you will, of on a, you know, with a diagnosis or being neurodiverse is so great because for so long, we've been too scared to have the conversation. You know, people are approach me on the regular. I want to ask a question, but I don't want to offend you or hurt your feelings or ask wrong, man. I would rather you ask me wrong than not ask me at all, because at least we're moving forward. So I do love the language and the conversation that that's having and, and making that conversation more open, right. And approachable, but when it comes to the initiatives that you're implementing with perspectability, now the idea for the transitional school, has that already been put into place and are you actively, do you actively have people that are enrolled in this and, and going through this program? Yeah, not yet because that's real expensive go figure. So what we did was we went and researched and went to a lot of these places, right? And we're like, oh my gosh, we love the transition academy here. We love the neighborhood that this dad built here. And we love, you know, right. All of these things in other places to bring home to Northwest Arkansas. But how do we fund that mission? So um, we're a board of five and one of our board members owns 10 acres in Centerton, which is really just a bedroom community of Bentonville. So we're like, okay, well, how do we fund the mission and bring awareness to the mission with this land? Because it's something we already have. So we went through a lot of different ideas and we landed on a UPIC tulip farm, which is the first ever in Northwest Arkansas, um, which is quite funny because I have like the blackest thumb ever. And then God put me in charge of a tulip farm. Like, <laughs> That's pretty funny in my world, but um, I can keep animals alive, but not plants. So um, we determined that that was the route to take to bring awareness. We're coming out of a pandemic, get outside. Anybody can pick a flower and enjoy nature. So we put our money together and we purchased uh, 57,000 tulip bulbs. Um, they were delivered and my husband built all the rows and prepped the land. But what we didn't have was the machine to like the bulbs in so we called on volunteers and we are so stinking lucky with the amount of people who are willing to support us in any way shape or form and that looked like hand planting 57,000 tulip bulbs on the windiest three days in history in like a drought and so um, one of our board members left with a uh, scratched cornea from the dirt scratching her eye I mean it was quite quite an adventure. So we planted those in October and our initial season was this past spring, um, March and April. It was incredible. 
we sold out of tulips. They were beautiful because I hadn't, I mean, that's stressful putting these things in the ground in October with our money, knowing that we can't replace that if something goes wrong. If the deer eat them, the bunny rabbits, whatever happens, I can't just go buy new products, right? So we um, prayed heavily over those bulbs and they were beautiful. They were colorful. We had the news coming out there and just embracing um, our, our mission and what our desires were. Um, we wanted to make sure that not a single person left the tulip farm thinking they were just at a tulip farm, you know, um, like I said, we sold out, we hired, uh, neurodiverse employees, and that was really important to us to put, um, our money where our mouth is as well. Um, and to not only, um, give, uh, you know, people a chance at employment and making money, but to also show the community how easy they can make a difference by, shopping at a place that hires neurodiverse individuals or as a hiring manager, we're the home of Walmart, Tyson, JB Hunt, Simmons. I mean, we have a lot of corporate headquarters here, hire these individuals, um, you know, whatever that looks like, um, create an authentic relationship with someone who is different than you, um, ask the hard questions, right? All of those things. And it was the most successful thing ever. People were so kind and had a great time. So this year we purchased 120,000 tulip bulbs and they all came back. And in October we planted by hand 120,000 bulbs. And I'm again, going to be a nervous wreck until March when they bloom. But I mean, it's just been incredible. So that is where we're getting towards our goal of being able to fund the transition Academy. Um, we have a curriculum we want to purchase that is research backed. Um, it is proven in other states of other um, parents who have created these organizations and programs in their states. So we're choosing a curriculum that has research behind it that's proven. Um, so we just can't wait for that next step. Um, the impatient part of me wants that to be yesterday, especially since I have an 18 year old, you know, um, but we're making forward progress and um, we know that the timing will be right when it's right. What are some of the like key differences that you've seen in these programs that are successful in other states? What are the key differences that make them successful and valuable, not just for the parents, but for the actual students? If it's not only the curriculum, but you said that there was another location that you visited where I think you said a dad had actually built out this community. I'd love to hear like what, yes. what that looks oh, like when it's functioning and, and yes. Yeah, so let me yeah. tell you about some of these places because, um, so one of the places is called first place and it's in Phoenix, Arizona. And this is a mom who, um, it took her 21 years to create this transition Academy. Um, and it's incredible. And she hosts a symposium every year. So, um, you know, my timeline's kind of off with COVID. So pre-COVID, we went to this symposium and this place is beautiful. We got to meet people who were in this program. So um, it's like a college experience. And the key difference is that it is consumer controlled. This is a facility that is this beautiful, you know, apartment complex, let's call it, for, you know, like a dorm building or apartment complex. 
Um, but it's the house of this transition academy with this incredible curriculum that was researched with the university there. Um, but it is driven on the individual's needs for success instead of this is our program and whoever fits into it comes, right? It's, it's more the, the difference in all of these locations are it is consumer controlled, not provider controlled. And that's the biggest problem um, that adults are facing is the, the option. So um, they have this two-year program, they get a job, they have a lot of great connections with employers within the city. Um, and so they go through this program and they're successful because it is a very detailed program. Luna Azul is the other program or the, the location I was talking about with the neighborhood. And that is the father who um, was in the construction world and so he took his resource of what he knew how to do and he built a subdivision. And this subdivision is beautiful. And it was all circled around his daughter having permanency and having a place to call home and be successful and out, you know, out once she outlives him. And this is, you know, one, two, three, four bedroom homes. They're, they kind of face each other in a way that promotes neighborhood community you know you're out taking a walk you you're going to sit on your front porch rather than your back porch kind of scenario um security you know just those things that that's um provide safety um another location is daymark living and that's in waxahachie texas and it is similar to first place in the sense of the transition academy living on site um, going through this program and graduating, you know, I mean, it's it's a post high school college type experience. It's the bridge that these adults need to live the life that they are capable of living. Um, and in that area, what we really love there is there's kind of a like a community center kind of thing um, where, uh, you know, authentic relationships can be cultivated and, and, you know, where you go and you meet people and you're swimming and you're basketballing and, you know, just it's, it's a community center. Um, so those are just three of the, of the, the big places in the country. And um, one of the things that was really special in Arizona is um, there is an old um, like apartment complex that they renovated and they have the elderly living there. So um, there's the elderly and then people in this two-year program or have graduated from this program and they're still living there. And we got to meet, um, I say elderly, I mean, they're not old by any stretch, like in their 60s, you know, but just um, in that environment and the support and the community that was created there, because um, there's some people that are coming from New York, far across, and they're shipping their, their young adult children across the country so that they can have the best opportunities possible. And that's a shame, you know, that's a shame that they have to go that far, but thank God that it's available, you know, and um, initially, you know, they had like security and, um, you know, especially overnight and things like that. And then the next year, the elderly were like, you know, we'll be the security. Well, you know, and so then the next year after that, they're like, don't, we don't need security. We're a family now. We're a neighborhood and we're a community. And they, you know, one, um, lady said that she had bought a smart TV and didn't know how to hook it up. So one of the kids came over and helped her hook it up and work it. And she was the one that also came and comforted them at night when they were scared because they're hundreds of miles away from home. 
you know? So I envision seeing not only the additional education that every adult needs, right? Not necessarily college specific, but just the additional life skills that we all need to live our best life. But the thought of my son living in a neighborhood where he's accepted and he is, um, he has an authentic relationship. One of the hardest things as being a parent of a neurodiverse person is that you're paying for friendships a lot of times. I mean, they're therapists, they're doctors, they're, you know, they're support caregivers. I want my son to have friendships and to be invited over for a barbecue in his own home, in his own community. The advocacy part of this seems to be like a, just a really big piece. And you had mentioned it. It's giving these adults the choice, giving these, I say adults, but young people the mm-hmm. choice versus being forced into some cookie cutter curriculum. And I would think that in addition to them having the choice and being able to create their life the way that they they see it unfolding, in addition to that, it also challenges the people who might help manage and run these institutions to even think bigger and th- because they're they're really like the ground floor, the ground level of this too. And if they are always sort of cooped in by chains that they don't have control over of insurance or whatever it may be, they right. might have a ton of amazing ideas too that they want to implement. And it's like, if only I could do this, if only I was able to help mm-hmm. in this way and they yeah. see a light and then it's like, yeah, we can make that happen. I... I I could see how that flywheel effect almost oh, sorry that flywheel effect almost takes place and it becomes it, it compounds on itself and proliferates to be even more positive the more people are involved. And being that you are in northwest Arkansas and I mean it's the home of Walmart, we're all, you know, if I mean I'm familiar with it. Um in the corporate world, it's I work in the CPG space, so the world of Walmart and it's if for anyone that's unfamiliar I've heard of it but I've never been, been <laughs> well <there>. Bentonville <laughs> like has blown it? up I mean Bentonville has blown up because it's not just the home of Walmart but it's every single subsidiary mm. like media companies and everything yeah. else that supports it so it's it's really a large network and then all of those individuals I mean they might come to the area for a few years and then they move out. So if they get the exposure to this, what else could that mean for additional communities? Yeah. I mean, just empowering parents, you know, Um, not only empowering the individuals themselves and self-advocacy is so critical, but a therapist um, that literally saved my sanity um, when Cody was young said, you are his only advocate until you can teach him to be his advocate. And that is so important. And when you talk about Walmart um, and people coming and going all of the time, someone is in this experience, right? Whether it's their own child or their sibling or their neighbor's friend's kid, whatever, right? We're all touched in some way. And if they can be empowered by what Perspectability is doing here in Northwest Arkansas and take it to the next state that they go to, their home state when they go back home, you know, 
these are all things that parents created, right? Parents were like, forget this. We're going to, we're going to build it and they will come, you know? And so that is my biggest dream is to see, um, it's just to see opportunities grow. And it's not that ours is the best thing ever. It's going to be awesome. But what else, what other opportunities are out there? There just should be a multitude of them. If you could leave the audience with a key takeaway, what is something you would want to impart with them? A couple of different things, I think. One is is empowerment. Um, parents change the world. So dig down deep and and change the world, whatever whatever that is, if it's your world, if it's your community, if it's bigger, you know, dream big and, and make the positive change. Um, like I said, the places that we visited were almost exclusively created by parents and they're incredible and they're catching on and that's beautiful. Um, some of the things employers, you know, if you're an employer, um, consider being more inclusive in your hiring. Um, people who are neurodiverse want to work and they are really struggling with finding work. My son desperately wants a job and in the home of a lot of opportunity, we're struggling. So, you know, think about that. Um, every state has a vocational rehabilitational rehabilitation, <laughs> a vocational rehabilitation organization. They couldn't, they make it harder. Um, every state has one. So if you are a business owner, an employer of any sort, reach out because there's a lot of things that you can do. Um, there's just a multitude of things you can do when it comes to business side of things. And most importantly, don't be afraid to ask questions. Um, don't be afraid to build authentic relationships with people who are different because nine times out of 10, you are far more affected uh, profoundly than the person that you befriended. I've yet to ever be in an experience where my son, um, you know, has stepped out and, and done something and made a friend with someone and they've come to me and say, I learned way more from him than I taught, you know, and just be vulnerable and be brave. And, and, and that's, that's kind of it. Different doesn't equal less than. You touched on a couple of these, but what are some resources that you would want to point the audience to? Mm. That are so, yeah, absolutely. The vocational rehabilitation organization. <laughs> Those are great. Um, another program um, is the um, Autism Housing Network, and they're incredible. They have incredible information, resources, um, the locations and the programs that I mentioned before, First Place, Phoenix, Arizona, Luna, Zool, Daymark Living, those are great programs that we're learning from. Um, one thing that's really excellent is just, because we don't wanna make a decision for a population without their input. So like I had mentioned before, I spend a lot of time on socials researching, finding um, those people searching neurodiverse, neurodivergent, autistic, ADHD, like a lot of those tags. And I'm learning from, from them and their own personal voice of what they want and what they desire, because it truly doesn't matter what I want. I want to do what's best for Cody Jensen and the rest of the Cody Jensen's, you know, of the world. So um, those resources and those voices are, are monumental to learn from. There is a, an account that I follow on Instagram. It's a coffee shop. I want to say the name is Betty and Bo. And the okay. owners, 
of this coffee shop, they hire all neurodivergent employees. And it's, yeah. it's, yeah, it's just a coffee shop and it's well-loved and has a lot of respect in the community and the mm-hmm. owners, like that is their mission and it's pretty cool. So I do follow them. I, I'll link it in the show notes also for anyone. Oh, that would be great. And support yeah. those businesses because not only is it shop local and that's so important, um, but I dream for the day that it's not world news that a person, um, like an autistic person was hired by Starbucks. That should not be world news at all. Um, I mean, I'm glad that it's getting the recognition to move in that direction, but I long for the day that that is not special. So yes, there's, um, I wish I, maybe I'll have to send you a message with that information, but there's a mom and daughter on TikTok and they sell t-shirts and she, they're doing all these cool videos and, and just slinging t-shirts and she's hilarious. She's like rolling up her t-shirts and slinging them in a box. And that's so fun. And, um, so just supporting those things because that's, you know, it's like supporting a tulip farm. You come and buy tulips from true colors farm. That's going to help us build this transition Academy faster. So that's awesome. And where can everyone find you? Give yourself your social, your website, give yourself a shout out. Yes, so we are perspectability.org. Um, on Facebook and Instagram, we are perspectability for the tulip farm specifically. It is true colors farm by perspectability. Um, and we do have a true colors farm TikTok, but we're uh we're just getting our toes wet in that one. So hopefully we'll have some good um good stuff this spring. But um yeah, perspectability and true colors farm by perspectability. If you are not located in Northwest Arkansas, when the tulips do bloom, is there any way that you can support? Can you donate through the site or have any other way to support? Okay. Yeah, you can donate through perspectability.org. Some great ways are obviously a financial donation is incredible. Um, We have had some people um, purchase tulips for someone else. And I am within reason happy to deliver those um, <laughs> to different places. And so that was really cool to brighten someone's day. We brightened some nurses days um, with tulips and things like that. And that was really incredible to do. Um, also helping us purchase bulbs towards next year. We are happy to have um, like an honor row. You know, we have had some donate towards a row um, and in honor of, and those kinds of things. Um, so that's a really great way to support us as well. Um, and really just learning. I mean, not everyone can donate financially. Not everyone can come to the tulip farm, um, which I highly recommend it. We had people coming from other States, which was just incredible, like to have these people that traveled to come. And so that was really neat, but really just learning and sharing, um, is the best gift. Yeah. So share this episode listeners with your friends. (laughs) (laughs) All right, Kelly. Well, thank you so much for joining us. It was wonderful to have you to learn more about perspectability and for you to shed light on this. Like you said, it's the conversation piece. That's really important where, you know, these conversations are, are just happening amongst us, our communities in the everyday course of life. It doesn't have to be 
set aside for one time and place. It's just part of our natural course of living. Yes, absolutely. And thank you so much for even giving me the opportunity to share. Sorry, there's my cat. (laughs) He's one of the the misfits that landed here. Um, Just, I appreciate your even wanting to learn more because that means everything because I just want to leave my son in really good hands when I leave this earth. So, well, on behalf of all parents everywhere, I think all parents will feel that way, you know, and it's just, you're take you're taking it like one step further. And I don't think there's any parent alive that couldn't resonate with that. So thank right. you for sharing that with us. Yeah, thank you. Thank you. All right, Kelly. Well, we will, we will link everything in the show notes for the audience. If you want to donate for the upcoming season, that would be amazing to help support the True Colors Farm. So yes Yes. thanks for being here and helping us elevate the vibe kelly yes thank you so much have a good day hey there vibe hype babes if this podcast has brought you any value please rate and review on your favorite listening platform and if you're feeling really generous share with a friend visit us at elevatethevibe.co for show notes on this episode and previous episodes This podcast is intended to educate, entertain, and inspire. It is not intended to diagnose, treat, or substitute for professional medical advice. Please consult your healthcare provider with any questions you may have. And as always, thank you for joining us to Elevate the Vibe.